if you're too focused on your starting point and your ending point, you're not going to find these really good deals. Okay, so if you're by a bigger airport, great. If you're in a regional airport, start looking at you know if you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you want a business class seat, look at DC. Maybe look at Charlotte or JFK, because when you have these little little tiny segments on either side. That's when all of a sudden you're like, well, he said it was fifty thousand points or sixty thousand points. Everything I'm seeing is two hundred fifty thousand. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to a Sharper Life podcast. If you are new to the show, welcome. And if you're not new, you know what I'm about to say. I'm Nikki Sharp, your host, and each and every week we talk about a topic relating to a pillar in life that we all experience, whether it's improving your relationships, the journey into yourself, self-healing, business, travel, or improving your health. And during these episodes, I offer my own viewpoints, oftentimes getting very vulnerable and sharing stories from my own life. And I also bring on world-class experts to share their knowledge with you. Now, today, I am incredibly excited about this episode because it has to do with travel, which is one of my passions, and specifically relating to travel hacking. And I got into, let's say, or I, I had a peek into the travel hacking world many, many years ago when I was living in LA and I started travel, traveling to Bali once a year. And from there, I started getting really good at looking at the different flights, the options, the layovers, you know, what airlines I would be able to take business on, what their lounge would be like. And at that time, I was never using credit card points. But cut to a few years later when I was... Uh, living. Well, so that was when I used to travel to Bali, then cut to a few years later when I'm actually living in Bali and traveling back to LA and other parts of the world. I started using my credit cards and the, the card points that I had to upgrade myself to business. And this was something that became a journey almost like hacking. And it felt like a secret that I knew something on how to get on a business class seat for much cheaper. And you know, cut to a few years later from there, this whole world of travel hacking has become incredible. And there's so much knowledge to be had. So today, I decided to bring on an expert. And while I do know a thing or two about the world of travel hacking, I brought on Tommy Longergan, otherwise known as Travel Like Tommy on Instagram, which you must go follow him. His account is incredible. It's inspirational. And he also breaks down how he does each flight and the amounts of points and everything. So definitely worth giving him a follow, which I will put in the show notes. But I brought him on to break down how to use credit cards, how to use airline points, and basically share everything that you might want to know about the world of travel hacking. And as I said, I thought I was really good at travel hacking, but it wasn't until my husband and I actually started working with Tommy and his company where we realized there are so many things that I had no idea. And even in this interview, you will hear me getting, and, and I say this with love and like in a joking, fun, playful nature, but getting schooled on where I'm personally making mistakes and, and where I can improve. And we talk about the specific credit cards that I use and he breaks it down. I mean, just in the most incredible way of understanding what card to get, um, your credit card score, the importance of that. I have to say as like a this podcast and every episode I do, I try to make it a one-stop shop for you to get knowledge, understand that topic. And then if you want to go deeper, then you can. And this interview, like this is it. We go so deep, but at the same time, it's all knowledge that you can implement literally today with your life, with your travel, whether you're in a family or you're by yourself, he gives information for every single person. So by the end of this episode, I really think that you're going to have the tools, the awareness on what to do, 
where do you, you know, implement your credit card points or airline points, alliances, things like that. And it is, I mean, it is just packed full of incredible information. And he also gives two websites that even I didn't know about that are going to change your life when it comes to travel. So I just want to give this a little preface. If you are not following the show and you enjoy it, please give it a follow, a subscribe wherever you listen from, and a five-star review sharing what you liked about this episode. And of course, sharing is caring. So if you found any value, which trust me, you were going to have so much value in this episode, please share it with a friend, a family member, someone who can also benefit from learning about travel hacking. And I really have a feeling this one is going to get shared a lot just because of the very nature of we all want to make travel better, more fun. And Tommy gives all of the tips for that. So without further ado... Here is the episode with Tommy, all about travel hacking. Tommy Lennergan, it is such a pleasure to have you. And here's the thing, you guys, everyone listening. Tommy has helped clients redeem 40 million points and miles, amounting to over $2 million in luxury travel for clients. So you're literally the person to be talking to about credit cards, travel hacking, because not only that, but you've earned and redeemed millions of your own points. So before we jump into all the Q&A and how you helped me with my Maldives trip, which I mean, all of it is is incredible, I, but I really want to get into your background here because you were working as an executive chef in Vail. Hello, fellow foodie. And <laughs> Vail, Colorado. And you decided to quit in 2019, move back to Chicago, live with your mom. Yay, fun times. And you did this to save as much money as possible in order to launch your own business, which later on you then merged with Eli Facenda called Freedom Travel System. So what I want to do is hear your just background story and walk us through the journey of entrepreneurship and how you went from being a chef to like worldwide hacking for yourself and and saving and spending millions of points. For sure. For sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess the the journey, I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as possible here, but um, grew up in Chicago, uh, went to NIU, uh, studied business, but during all that time, I was working in restaurants, everything from washing dishes, delivering pizzas, uh, cooking, serving, I mean, the whole thing top to bottom. Um, and then I ended up packing up my job with, or packing up my car, no job, no plan, nowhere to live. I knew I wanted to go to Colorado after college because I didn't want to, you know, go join the rat race, go do what everybody else was doing. And that was get your corporate job, go live in the city. And, um, the plan was to be there for maybe a ski season. And I basically got hired as an executive chef at 22 years old and essentially spent my entire twenties out there because I mean, how could you go wrong with that, with that lifestyle of the skiing, you know, 70, 80 days a year out, you know, outside hiking, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but during that time, you know, approaching the thirties and, you know, definitely lived life, had a ton of fun. Um, but I knew, if I wanted to do something bigger with my life, I kind of had to get out of Vail um, just to kind of get around different, just be in a different environment. Um, there was no drive to go do something bigger and better. It was like, hey, everything's good, man. You know, we're in Colorado. Um, but during all that, like I started to learn all about this credit and this traveling, and I got got the taste for that. So during my time out there, I mean, I just dove in deep, learned everything about credit credit cards, points, miles, elite status. And then I started taking action on it. So from 24 to 30, I made it to 51 countries. I had built my credit up, you know, in the 800 neighborhood, uh, earned quite a few million points, redeemed them all. And I did all this with a sub six figure salary. I mean, I was making, you know, pretty decent money. I had all my bills paid, but um, I was able to accumulate all these points and be able to stretch them out really far, get things for really good deals. Um, but essentially at that point, I'm like, okay, how can I do this for a living? Like, I want to travel more. I want to help people travel. And, you know, that's where I left Vail essentially. And, you know, I didn't have money saved up. It wasn't like I could just go quit my job and kind of go all in on this. So yeah, I took a little step back, um, got a new job, made pretty good money, but I saved, well, I saved enough money to essentially 
you know, if I don't make money for six to 12 months, I'll be okay. Um, but then yeah, January of 2021, I quit my other job, sold my car, broke up with my girlfriend and I bought a one-way ticket to Dubai, uh, to basically just dial in and try to kind of make something out of this. And about two years into the journey now, uh, Eli and I hooked up, uh, last January working on freedom travel systems now, and it's been a heck of a journey to say the least, but that was like the shortest, sweetest condensed yeah. version I could give you. <laughs> no, I love it. And you know, a few things that really, I want to point out, especially for those of you listening is in order to move forward in life, oftentimes we actually have to take what feels like a step back. Now, it's not a step back in the grand scheme of things, but it feels like that in the moment. So it's just, it's a very inspiring story where you were kind of aware needing to do this with a, a forward path, but not necessarily knowing where the forward path was going. And I, I'd like to then just jump in very quickly so that people understand what is Freedom Travel Systems? What do you guys do? Yeah. So Freedom Travel Systems, like I said, me and Eli kind of had our own businesses doing very similar things. Um, with the idea of trying to focus um, towards, you know, business owners as our clients. So, you know, what we really do is we go in and essentially it's two things. It's A, we're making sure that you're set up to be maximizing all of your points earning. And this could be the same on a personal basis as well. The same kind of concept applies, but earning the most amount of points you can for the things that your business or your household is spending the money on. Then there's things we can factor in, you know, with travel habits too. I mean, it's not just credit card points. It's it's elite status with the airlines and with the hotels. And it's the program's called the first class CEO. So if you're a business owner, you should be traveling like one, and you can do it by <laughs> leveraging these credit cards. So that's kind of the first piece we get you set up to maximize all that's out there for you. And then essentially the other piece is okay. Well, I've got all these points. You know what? how do I, how do I do this? Like, I don't, I have no idea where to even start. And that was the biggest thing with the business was, you know, especially as a business owner, it's like, Hey, you know, your time is so extremely valuable. Like when I learned all this, like this was just, I started diving in after work. I'd spend a couple hours just reading and just learning about all this stuff. But as a business owner, your time's supposed to be spent right. with the business, with your significant other, with your family. So to try to go in and learn all this, to execute on it, um, there's yeah, a it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And I will say like, so I, I met you because my husband, I, he went down the rabbit hole during the pandemic of like getting into crypto. I think a lot of people did that. And then from crypto started learning about all the credit cards and then found you guys and then, and signed up with you. And then me naturally being the curious kitty that I am, <laughs> I like, I've had a million lives for how much I've, I've learned and done. And and, you know, we started talking and, and talking about our honeymoon. So we'll get into um, the honeymoon because you guys, your company literally helped us save $50,000 on this. And we ended up spending about 10 <laughs> outside yeah. of all the champagne that we wrote. <laughs> right. But right. so I, what I want to do from here is let's go to the basis. I, I was thinking about it. Do you remember those books? It was like travel for dummies or, mm -hmm. you know, yoga for dummies. And so by no means am I calling anyone a dummy. I'm just, I'm talking about the book right. because I used to love them myself because I'm like, oh, talk to me like I know nothing and break it down into the simplest science possible and not even science because sometimes that makes me, you know, I'm like, what? So with that being said, thinking about, you know, those yellow and black books, what is travel hacking for dummies? And like, what are the basics that we need to know about it? Yeah, yeah. I guess the simplest little kind of sequence that I'll put you through here is, you know, in terms of travel hacking, you know, there's stuff beyond the credit cards and the points, but a lot of it, a majority of it is based off of that. But if you have good credit, you can get good cards. If you have good cards, you can get good points. And if you have good points, you can turn that into epic travel experiences, as I like to call it. So it all kind of starts there. And if you, if you don't have your credit set up, that's got to be your number one thing. And then we're going to progress our way down the chain. So it's funny how the credit leads to travel. But if you don't have that, you don't have any other piece of that puzzle along the way. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's so fascinating too, because I, I was going to ask about like, what's the importance of credit? Because I, I never really realized that. And now as you break that down, so what is a 
because we're going to go into all the different credit cards, but what's a good credit score that someone should be trying to get to? And, and how does one even like build their credit up to then get the good cards? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to kind of start off. I had, um, I had a credit card in college that, um, let's just, you know, I paid my way through school and you know what? I had about 5,000 bucks on the credit card. And when I graduated, um, I just didn't pay it. It took me a while to get a job and let's just say this. I messed up my credit early on. Yeah. So I kind of had to start over, you know, I had somewhere in the 600, something like that. But, um, you know, the key is we got to get something on your credit in the first place, you know, so having a good score of about the 700 is where you definitely need to be. If we can breach into that 750 and above, you're pretty much fair game for everything. But, you know, with credit, it's kind of got a few pieces of it. You know, one is going to be the age, whether it's your oldest account or the average age of all your accounts. And that's just that's credit cards, mortgages, student loans, anything like that. You've got your payment history. It's got to be 100 percent. That's like one mispayment can really mess things up. Um, you've got uh, the other one is going to be your mix of credit. You know, do we have revolving credit or installments? So like a student loan would be an installment or a car loan. Revolving would be your credit card. So do you have a good mix? And then, you know, the last one, and this is the one that most people don't really get how powerful it is because you can fluctuate this thing by 50, 60 points in a month, and that's gonna be your credit utilization, okay? So let's say you have a $10,000 credit line on your on your Chase card or your Amex card. You have your statement, uh, your statement close date and your statement due date, okay? So let's say for March, everything that happens in March is your statement. So the statement will close at the end of the month on the 30th or 31st. Whatever that balance is, on that date, so if you have a $5,000 balance, when it closes, that's the utilization, how much of your credit are you using that gets reported out to the bureaus, okay? 50% is not good. Now, right. you, there's no harm, no fall. You're, there's no interest being paid. You still have you know, four or five, you know, four weeks to, to pay that bill by the due date, but like I said, to the credit bureaus, you're using half of the credit being given to you. So. I had this, you know, I've got, you know, I don't know how many cards I have, but yeah. I had one, I had one credit card. I usually sit around an 810, give or take, but I had one credit card. I was actually an Emirates credit card and I bought some miles on it. Only had a $5,000 line, but it was a $3,000 purchase. And I always pay by the due date. I missed this one because I don't ever use that card. My credit score because of one card with a 60% utilization went from 810 down to 740. Wow. In my, so yeah. question on this though, because obviously like when people, when I even think about travel hacking, I don't necessarily assume it has to do with your credit score because obviously you can get different credit cards. So I, I understand we're talking about that as like the baseline and I'm in full agreement, like, because there, I did get a question from the audience about you know, chasing sign up points. And my whole thing is like, personally, don't be chasing the cards if you have any sort of credit card debt. Like, that's yeah. a hard no I, yeah. in my book. 100%. But I'm, so, like, I'm curious from you because obviously it's, you're saying it actually starts with your credit score and, and like paying your bills on time, revolving credit, all of these things. But then, how do we take that? and put it into travel hacking because there's so many people I'm sure doing travel hacking and like traveling the world without, you know, an eight ten credit score. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't need to have an, an eight ten score. Like I said, you gotta, you gotta get it at 700 and most importantly, we have to maintain that credit score. So just like you were kind of saying, people chasing sign up bonus, people are doing this. Well, let's just this, if we're not paying our bills in full, then we're paying interest. Okay then whatever value we're getting from these points, if we're paying interest to accumulate these points, so the best practice is you, you spend it and you pay it. And if you get your credit set and you get that process down, that's when things can kind of take off. Um, Run us through the different types of cards. Like Chase alone has nine different options and three in each category. So there's reward cards, there's specific travel cards, and there's business cards. Now, some obviously have sign-on bonuses. I know that I recently, you actually told me to 
go sign up for the Marriott Amex because I already have an American Express. I have a great standing mm-hmm. with them. So I got, I think it was like 150,000 Marriott points, which I still haven't used one day. But next in trip, terms of that, trip. next trip, right? And then <laughs> you, like you have, you know, my Amex that has a ridiculously high fee, but that's what I use for all my travel. And so I want you to just go through the rewards cards, the travel cards, and the business cards. Because I think people, I know I've gotten very confused about like, where does one start? What do you even do? What's the best one? Points, travel, business. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll kind of do this maybe almost a little bit differently in the terms of not necessarily the card, but what is that card going to give you? Okay. So we've got cards that are like cash back. Okay. So you got a 1% cash back card. You're getting 1%. Cool. You're getting something, right? And then there's... um you know, kind of what we kind of have like fixed value points, like like Bank of America has a travel rewards card that you're going to be earning points on there. And then our main one is what we're going to call transferable points. These are the points that we want to be earning. So those are the cards that we want to be using that are going to earn us these transferable points. Okay. The last thing is going to be your loyalty points. So airlines, hotels, that kind of thing. But essentially, you know, we've kind of got our cash back and these uh, kind of fixed value travel rewards. So, you know, you're not going to get less. You're not going to get more if you get, right. you know, 1%. So, quick question right. on that. Yeah. The You're saying the transfer transferable points on cards. Is that something like if I go to Google and I put in credit card with transferable points, can I find out which ones are there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, I mean, like I said, that's where I, mean, I learned everything from, from online. And people yeah. talk about all these secrets and this and that, guys. There's no secrets. Everything is out there, and you'd be surprised what you could find out just by Googling it. Um, but so back to these transferable points. Um, these are the most valuable because, just like it says, we can transfer them, meaning we can take them from Chase, from Amex, City, or Capital One. Those are our four big ones. And we can convert them into an airline mile, a hotel point, Okay. And what that allows us to do is that allows us to break away from that fixed value that the bank ties to these points. So if you have 100,000 American Express points, that's $1,000 through Amex Travel. You have one cent per point. This is all math and nerdy level stuff too. Um, Or I'm going to take 100,000 American Express points and I might transfer them over to Emirates Airlines and I might, I'll be able to book a five, six, seven thousand dollar business class seat because I'm now working off of the airline's award chart. So the transferable points allow us to maximize, for lack of a better word, just or expand on the value of our points, whether that's you know flying business class for the price of economy or being able to fly your entire family somewhere as opposed to maybe just having one ticket. Um, so the key is we want to earn these transferable points. We got to go snoop around and find these flights and stuff like that. There's a little bit of work that goes into this, and this is the method to the madness. But if you can understand what you're looking for, that's how we take, you know, a 1x to a 5x, a 10x. I've actually gotten a 29 cent per point redemption uh, before, which wow. is my record. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what's what's so funny, Tommy? As you're saying this, I'm like, shit, I've been doing it wrong. Damn it. And, and I say that because I go to American Express. I have, let's say, you know, 100,000 points. I want to go stay at a hotel somewhere. I go and book it because it's fine hotels and resorts. I get mm-hmm. breakfast, late checkout. Mm-hmm. So I, there are pros and, and cons. I get it. But 100%. what I'm hearing you say is the value really lies in transferring it over. So let's just say for now, let's just start talk only airlines because I know yeah. it, it can get a bit confusing. Let's talk only oh, yeah. airlines. So I have a hundred thousand points, let's say they're, you know, chase points or American express points. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to go to actually, let's just run through this. I'm trying to go to South of France, which is a trip I'm literally trying to take this June for my birthday. Mm -hmm. So with that, what's the next step of what I do? Yeah, for sure. Well, one, you know, let's get our information here. You know, Hey, what are our dates? Are we flexible? This is so, this is some key things that make this happen. Okay, like, you know, can I leave maybe a day or two early or a day or two later? Um, do I need to leave at nighttime? So it's a being figuring out what your flexibility is. And then 
hey, so where am I starting? Where am I trying to get to? Okay, those are your basic things. So, um, you know, if you're in Miami, ideally, we'd love to find a flight that's Miami to Nice, which I just flew out of yesterday. Um, but there's not any direct flights from Miami to Nice. Right. You know, so now it's kind of breaking this thing down. of like, okay, if I want a business class seat, you know, how can I maybe take this itinerary apart a little bit? So like, like coming from Miami, um, I use a site, you can do this on Google flights too. Uh, there's a site called flight connections. So what it is, basically I can type in Miami as my airport. It's going to show me all the routes that go nonstop from Miami, obviously to Europe. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for, like, I know Air France flies from Miami to Charles de Gaulle. I'm going to start by looking for flights from Miami to Paris because we want that long flight, right? You know, if Paris to Nice, if we're an economy or a separate ticket, that's no big deal. So what happens is like, if you, if you're too focused on your starting point and your ending point, you're not going to find these really good deals. Okay. So if you're by a bigger airport, great. If you're in a regional airport, start looking at, you know, if you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you want a business class seat, look at DC, maybe look at Charlotte or JFK. Because when you have these little, little tiny segments on either side, that's when all of a sudden you're like, well, he said it was 50,000 points or 60,000 points. Everything I'm seeing is 250,000. Um, right. So it's kind of like just getting your, um, you know, how flexible you are and then kind of just taking it apart from there. Um, there's a site that just came out, Nikki called, well, it's probably been out about a year now, but it's called point.me. And let's just say this, if I knew, I mean, if this thing was around years ago, I, I mean, I learned it the old school way. Um, but basically it's like Google flights for points and for people that like this whole thing, it goes deep, but for people who have just a very basic understanding or, or maybe even very little, you could use point.me and just like you were going to Google flights, all right, Miami to Nice, and it's going to run this search. And what it does is it has, I think over 30 different airline programs to which we can take our transferable points and send them to it, but it gives you, it breaks you down all the options and say, okay, I only have chase points. It'll say, well, you can transfer your chase points to this airline. It'll cost you this many. And all of a sudden, like this tool is massive. And, and like I said, wow. a lot of people are gonna be able to utilize that. Um, but like I said, it's figure out your dates, where you're yeah. trying to go and what your options are. And then essentially it's, you know, what, what am I looking for? That's where all the searching is. It's figuring out what you're looking for because if you don't know what you're looking for, you will spend so much time with no results and you're going to give up and say, this sucks. And get I'm frustrated. Like, I'm just going to go <laughs> Which, to Amex travel. <laughs> <laughs> Which to be fair, you know, I actually did that. You you guys were trying to help me find a flight to from Miami to London. And so I wanted to know kind of a two-part question. Part one is what are the best and worst airlines for points, transferring, all of that. And then and part two is, are there any specific, and, and I'll ask these again, don't worry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are there any specific routes that are just like atrocious at finding, you know, spending points? Because your your team actually came back to me and like, I was flexible, said these dates, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's mm -hmm. almost like the Miami to London route, they've like, made it not very hackable at this point. It's very interesting. Yeah. So part one, yeah. just best and worst airlines for points transfer. For sure. So this is actually going to be the, you know, the answer to this one, Nikki, is there's not a best one. The answer is there's going to be a best one for every single trip that you're taking. Okay. Interesting. Some of these airlines are going to base their flights off of, okay, we're flying from this region to this region. We'll charge this many. Some airlines will charge it based off of overall distance. So there's all these different scenarios where, um, you know, there's always going to be a better airline program, if you will, depending on, you know, where you're trying to go and where you're coming from. Um, generally, I would say, you know, two of the better ones are going to be Air Canada. I use that one quite often. I think we booked your Etihad first yep, class yep. with Air Canada. Um, and then British Airways is also another one. Um, that has some high value specifically on domestic flights in the US. And you're probably shaking your head like, well, how can I use British Airways 
ABOs in <laughs> the, the ABOs, US. they suck. They're right? so bad. <laughs> but here's this next, you know, this transfer thing and these partnerships. Well, let's just say this. That's why I kept going airline program, right? So the airline programs are linked to the banks, but British Airways is part of the One World Alliance, which is American Airlines, Qatar, Cathay Pacific. What that means is I can't turn my Amex point or my Chase point to an American Airlines mile, but I can turn it into a British Airways Avios, who is a partner with American, meaning I can book an American Airlines flight with my British Airways Avios. Got it. And, Does and, that make sense? And uh, you said Cathay Pacific? Yeah, that's not okay. One. So there's the three main alliances, basically. Yeah, because what I found with, with BA and their Avios is it, it, their system is so hard to use for the Avios with BA flights. And they're mm -hmm. like, blackout dates, this, a non-peak, peak. And I'm like, uh, right. fine, I just, I give up. So I, you know, I have a, a, a few thousand sitting there. But so then part two was... Are there any specific travel routes? Like we did have, and, and I know Eli actually did a post on this the other day that the London to America, whatever route it is, maybe it's Miami, is a little more challenging. And he was mm -hmm. actually saying to, if you can, just as you were talking about, Tommy, and I think this is so important, if you're travel hacking, you have to be open to moving your dates, your times. Mm -hmm. Like if you're attached to the exact flight, the travel hacking and using points might not work for that flight, mm -hmm. but if you're open, so I'm just curious. Cause like the hack that I've learned from London is to fly Swiss airways to Zurich lounge is great there. They have two, mm -hmm. but you find the first, the right mm -hmm. one, then Zurich to Miami. And it's like a nice long flight business, half the price. And so mm -hmm. are there specific routes that you're like, definitely break it up. Just don't even try to do the direct. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, um, you know, kind of one of the biggest things is, you know, is Miami a big airport? Yes, but, you know, something like Miami to Paris, you know, there's really only going to be one flight on that route every day. And guess what? Everybody that's traveling would much rather take that nonstop flight. So it's just like, you know, it's supply and demand, really, just like any other kind of business where, you know, the airlines know, you know, they're not just putting all these deal seats out because they want to, you know, they want to take cash all the way through. So when you're going somewhere where there's not a lot of other options, they're not really going to open up a lot of seats at these kind of standard or saver rates. So, you know, that's why you know, I really, I do so much out of JFK, so much out of LA because there's so many different options. Like I don't even want, there's probably 15 to 20 flights a day from JFK to London. You know, wow. yes, there's more passengers going there, you know, commuting that way. But yeah. in terms of, like I said, just the, um, the amount of options that we might have, the more they are, the more likely you are. So like my brother's getting married in Barcelona in September. And, you know, my dad, obviously he's a 3 million miler with American, like a corporate old school points guy, but dad does not want to make a connection. He wants to take the one Chicago to Barcelona flight. And I'm like, dad, <laughs> I, I, I know like I said, we could, we could connect here. You could book it for 55,000 points instead of a hundred and whatever but you know some people uh, i mean when you have millions of points sure you could book the flight you want but you know i didn't learn it that way i only had so many um but it's just being a little bit flexible and whether it's um adding a couple hours or a connection on there it, think of it like this it's like would i rather have a you know two hour longer travel day or would i rather have a nine hour flight sitting in economy, in economy. like you couldn't pay me like i'll sleep outside yeah. and just you know wait it out you know <laughs> yeah well it, i actually want to get to it a question that i have is one or two rules or non-negotiables that you follow while traveling and i specifically i was going to wait to ask this but i want to bring it up now because one of mine is international like overseas flights there's no economy happening I, i've done i've done my fair share i've oh, done me, me it too. i've put me my too. miles yeah. right like I've i done my I, time. I put exactly and now i'm at a point where i would rather go to as i just as i said like from from london to zurich zurich to miami so sure it adds on an extra like five six hours but now i have business class i feel relaxed when i get there and and the other thing that we did 
um, and we'll talk about this in just a moment with our Maldives trip was coming back from the Maldives. We had two layovers, which is, I mean, it's a lot to do that coming back, but that's so we could fly business class for a 30 hour trip. So what are your, what would you say are your, uh, oh, I I also have one more rule that I wanted to share. So Mm -hmm. if it's under three hours, like in, in Europe, I personally don't use points to upgrade. Mm -hmm. I would rather just pay the hundred dollars for that one economy flight, get the points, use that for something bigger. Exactly. And I'm on the same page and that kind of just doubles down on what I was mentioning earlier about don't be so concerned about your final destination, get yourself from the States to Europe. You'll get a great deal. And then, you know, if you have to have a two hour flight on Ryanair for 30 bucks then so be it, <laughs> right. um, you know, hopefully it's not Ryanair, but at the end of the day, you know, you can get to that final destination for a fraction. Um, but let's see. So, so some of your rules are yeah. non-negotiables. Yeah. Well, you know, number one is, you know, travel's supposed to be fun. Okay. You know, flying oh, an economy yeah. and all that is not fun. And it's kind of like, you're excited for this trip and I'll be like, oh crap, you know, I got this 11 hour flight and economy and it kind of like delays the fun you know like you know the vacation hasn't really started yet because it's kind of like oh crap we got to do this first so when we're flying business class the fun starts the second we walk into the airport we're going through uh, you know expedited security we're beelining it right to the lounge we're getting on board we're greeted with champagne uh i tend you might see this but i I tend to do something called slammer time um basically it's Got to kick the party off. You drink your champagne or chug your champagne. Um, but I learned that from James Asquith. He's the youngest uh, male to travel to every country in the world and the CEO of Holiday Swap. So go check him out because, yeah, he's the like kind of founding father of that. But uh, I've carried it on myself. So non-negotiable is have fun. And if you're flying in the good seats, kick one Slam back. Time, and get, which, Slam which time, which we did it. And I remember yeah, that was I was waiting even, for it. We were we were going. Uh, we we'd you know have gone to Etihad first class, and then I I remember you know we we actually <laughs> I that didn't was even tell you that, actually <laughs> I didn't even tell you this. We the video the first video didn't look good, so we did it a second time, <laughs> and the second time didn't come out. So we did oh, it. Oh no! Yep, been there. So I accidentally that was the video all for up. you, Tommy. That was <laughs> all you. for you for this limited time. So do you, you. Any, do you have any other non-negotiable or kind of rules that you follow? Yeah. Um, so I got a few, and I think, you know, one of them is going to be just kind of sticking out of this whole thing with the points, you know? So, you know, we never want to use our points unless we actually understand like the value we're getting from them, you know, okay, it costs this many points or it's this much cash. Cause there's going to be times where, you know, you might pay just as many points for like a domestic three hour flight as you would for a nine or 10 hour business class seat. Okay. And the value you're going to get there, that might be five or $600 where a long haul flight's going to be five or $6,000. So non-negotiable, as I said, you got to figure out how many points this is going to cost and what is the cash cost. And if it's not a high value for your points, pay cash, save those points for something that's bigger, something that's going to be a lot harder for you to foot the bill for. I could pay for a $500 flight, I do not want to pay $5,000 cash for a business class seat. So that's kind of my, my one rule is like if it doesn't make, well, if it's not providing a good return or a good value, then you know what, save the points and use them for a scenario when you're going to get something a little better. Um, and I think that just kind of goes in there too. It's like, just because you have a bunch of points, you're like, don't feel it like, Oh, I've got to use these. I've got to use these. It's, Use your points with something specific in mind. And also same thing kind of goes into the whole, the credit cards, which we'll go back to is don't just aimlessly get a card like, oh, this looks good. Like, you know, use everything with a purpose, you know, hey, I, you know, whether it's I want to do that or I saw something that looks really cool. Um, don't just, I guess a lot of people don't really understand how valuable their points are because they've been right. doing it in ways where you're getting that, that very basic, that one cent value and stuff. They don't so, see what's possible. It sounds like we actually have like very similar rules on on that and using points and and it's funny. I actually think I got my husband into the travel hacking because I was traveling from Bali where I was living to L.A. or like I did that that route every year at least yeah, two times a, a year sometimes. One, yeah. And so like I got really good at the the travel hacking, the like knowing which like 
all the things. But so I'm actually going to get really personal here for everyone to hear. And it, this is a question you didn't know I was going to ask, but I'm going to tell you the different credit cards that I have, because what I have trouble with is what do I actually spend on what and, and where do I, so let me run these through you. I have the uh, Chase Inc. for my business. I basically never use it because mm -hmm. I just put everything on. Yeah, the Ch Chase Inc. for my business. Um, I, I put everything on my American Express. So mm -hmm. then I have Platinum American Express. Okay. I have the AA Advantage card, which you guys told me to get mm -hmm. for those mm -hmm. 50,000 bonus points. Mm -hmm. Then I have the Marriott mm -hmm. uh, American Express, which I basically only got in order to get the like 150 points or whatnot. So I don't really use that one. And your free breakfast in the Maldives. Oh, I, but I already get that on American <laughs> Express. I, I think, I think I do, but I, I don't know. So we'll, then we'll I, so, that. so, and then I have um, Chase Sapphire. So I have Chase Sapphire, Chase Inc. Those were, those were my first two cards. Then I got the American Express. I've had that. That's my like predominant. I find the best value just overall for everything. And you have mm -hmm. status and things and lounge access. So then obviously the A Advantage. And then I have the Marriott. So with those five cards, what do I do? Like where, let's say I have a business expense. Which card should I run it through? Or let's say I'm buying flights. Which mm -hmm. card would you recommend? Or let's mm -hmm. say I'm, I'm buying, getting a hotel. Like my... I always just go to American Express, but am I doing that wrong? Yeah. So a um, few things going on here, but one, which ink card is it? Is it the ink preferred, ink unlimited? Do you know? Uh, ink preferred. Ink preferred. Okay. And then the Amex Platinum, that's the business platinum, right? No, personal. It's but personal I use it, platinum. but I, I, I use it for both business and my accountant is a godsend and just <laughs> manages it all. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I do that too. You know, I you know, whatever card is going to earn me the most points for that purchase. If it's a personal expense on a business card, you know, you got to account for it on the back end, but you can use personal. Okay. So you do. Yeah. Right. Okay. I do that. Um, it can be a little bit of a headache, but, yep. um, you know, if you get your system in place, it's good. Okay. So this little exercise, and this is essentially the key. This is the biggest, biggest factor of all these. Hey, how do I get all these points? How do I get all these points? It's optimizing our return and our spend. Okay. So the easiest like exercise to do is, hey, you know what? What are the three? What are the three biggest things that I spend the most money on? And think of it on an annual basis. Okay, don't think every swipe. Think okay, every year, I spend you know X amount on food, you know, whether it's grocery restaurants. Mm -hmm. I spend this much on you know just say general travel, and then maybe Nikki, you like shopping. Yeah, I spend a lot of money on shopping. Which, which I'm going to say, at least for American Express, they give you a year-end breakdown in a, a pie mm -hmm. sheet where mm -hmm. like, you can actually see how much you send. Okay, so uh, let's just say it, it, travel is actually one of my biggest ones. So travel is my, my biggest. What would I do then? Yeah, so with you know, all these cards are meant to um, compete and kind of complement each other, okay? Amex wants you to have multiple Amex. Chase wants you to have multiple Chase, and they want to work against each other, okay? So with your Amex Platinum, for example, are we going to use that card? Yes, but we're only going to use it for one thing. Maybe two, maybe two things, but we're going to use that card for flights. We're going to use that card for flights because it's going to earn 5x points for every dollar that we spent. But and what about hotels for Amex? It's the, uh, that was the other scenario is you can okay. go through Amex travel and you know, I've got my hotel card. So I, I booked direct, but yes, you would also earn five. If you're, if you're a hotel free agent, if you will, not chasing yeah. status and that Amex travel will also earn you five X points on hotels. Okay. So okay. we got kind of that piece there, but if it's not a flight or a hotel, guess how many points we're going to earn? Oh no. Don't tell me, Tommy. No, one. only one. one. Mm -hmm. <sighs> All right. I'm getting mm -hmm. schooled, you guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is so good, though. Okay. So what's yeah. a better card for me then to use? Well, I mean, like I said, you do travel pretty often. So I mean, really the ideal lineup, you want to have about three cards for your spend and then maybe a couple cards for some perks, which is kind of like what you have right now. But you need a card for flights. Boom. You got your Amex Platinum. Your food. Let's say food's one of your other big expenses, right? We want a card that's going to earn us the most for our food. An Amex Gold card, 
4X samples. 4X, interesting. Oh, okay. You are making this so simple. Honestly, I've had such a hard time understanding this. Okay, so let's say, what about someone's rent? Can you put, like business yeah. expenses, like how, how do you, Tommy, rack up so many points that you're just like traveling all the time? What are you doing? Is that like you just funneling yeah. all your business expenses? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, obviously travel is pretty much my biggest, you know, expense, if you will. So in travel type purchases are the ones that allow us to really kind of earn um, the most amount of points. But I guess just kind of going into the big picture of, hey, how do I earn points? Okay, the first step is going to be it's building our foundational cards. This is the exercise we just went through. What am I spending the most money on? which card is going to earn me the most for those th three things. So you've got your platinum for flights and travel, Amex gold for food, and then maybe you've got like a, a capital one venture card that'll earn you two X on everything else. So you've got, you want to earn at least two X points every time you swipe and hopefully we can get it up to five X, 10 X or more. So that's the first piece. It's optimizing your return on your spend for the things that you spend your money on your everyday expenses. Okay. Some other things that you could do or that I do. And once you start getting some of these cards, um, one of them is going to be referral offers. You can get bonus points by referring your friends or your family to an Amex card or your significant other. Like, you know, if you've got a player two, I can refer my Amex gold card to my girlfriend. I'll get points. She'll get points. You know, it's a win-win. So those reset every single year. Generally, like the higher, the higher cards, like your Amex platinum and your golds, usually those are the ones that will have a, you know, a legit offer, but I probably get, you know, around a million points a year just off referrals. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So right. that's huge. So like I said, I haven't spent a penny yet. Well, I guess that yeah. this is how I offset my, my, uh, you know, $5,000 in annual fees, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's, another, that's another story. Yeah, that's, I mean, there are a lot of fees, but Okay. So just for, for time's sake, like you and I, I'm going to just everyone, I think, what do you think? We, I think we bring Tommy back on I, because there's so much <laughs> more we can go into, but what I want to do, because we could talk about the credit cards. I have a few more questions very specifically about the family, like how to hack, but I want to go very briefly into how you guys helped us do the honeymoon because we, we said Maldives, we said we're open to dates. Here are like our mm -hmm. our rough ones that we we wanted to do just because of Easter and and spring break. And then you basically told us buy this, do this, and we said, okay, holy shit, we're a little scared, but we did it. <laughs> so walk yeah. us through what we did to get us. Let's just say first there booking St. Regis Etihad flight. Yeah. So so what we kind of did here is. You know, we had some parameters like, okay, we knew where we wanted to go. We had a rough idea of our dates. And, you know, now it's like I said, I said earlier, we want to spend all of our time figuring out, you know, what we're looking for. You know, we're not just searching. So we wanted to, we want to break this thing down. It's like a little puzzle. Okay. So we want to kind of work it. It'd be like reverse engineer it. So, okay. We want to go to the Maldives. What are my options that I can potentially do with the points that I have? Okay. How many points are they going to charge per night? So it's like, okay, first we figured out. And if Nikki wants to go to the St. Regis Maldives, I'm going to need between, you know, 360 to 450,000 points for five nights. So we're making a little note there. We need this many for the hotels. Same thing with the flights. I know that best case scenario, it's going to cost me this many miles to go from here to here and vice versa. So we've kind of got our, our, our main pieces there. Like how many points do we need to pull this off? How many points do we have? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's actually what, what we did was then send you a total of mm -hmm. our Amex, our chase, uh, mm -hmm. AA, all that. So, okay. So now we, you help us, or you tell us to fly out of Washington, just as you were talking about earlier, you had us fly out of Washington, DC. Mm -hmm. So that was, we had to get ourselves up to Washington, which was like, okay, another flight. But I understand what you're saying now it's, it's breaking it up into like our return flight. We didn't book for like a month or something after we, we were like, yeah. um, are we going to be coming back from the Maldives? So <laughs> now, you know, how many points we have, we know the parameters, what next? So now we're taking this and we're kind of comparing it to, Hey, like, you know, Tommy, we've got this many Amex points. We've got this many American miles and I'm looking to see, okay, you know, where are we covered? Where are we not covered? Or, um, 
you know, where's there going to be some, because we didn't have everything we needed. You know, we had, we had amounts of everything. Um, but from there it was figuring out the points that we have and how we could best use those for this scenario. So I knew that, you know, we were going to be a little bit short on Marriott points. So I think, you know, you got a new card, you guys combined points. We transferred, I mean, it was a whole, there's probably three or four steps <laughs> of that, that points pooling, but we got that done. And then the uh, Air Canada, you they were mm-hmm. having actually, and this is an interesting one. I had no idea about this. It was like January second or something. We were texting with you, and you're like, Air Canada is having a sale. You need to buy them literally right now, right now. <laughs> and we were like, um, because we'd never done that. We'd never just bought airline mm-hmm. points. And you're like, we're, and we were like it's going back check. and forth and. Yeah. So what, tell us about that. Cause I didn't know about it. And that actually is what got us first class on Etihad with mm-hmm. 200,000 Air Canada points, which costs like $2,000. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'll kind of continue on that, that, that too is, you know, we had, yeah, we were short on points to pull this thing off. So I had to figure out, okay, what piece to this puzzle are we not going to be able to use points for because I need them for elsewhere. So, you know, we were short points to get this flight over there. Now I flew this exact same flight uh, when I went there in September last year. Um, we need to get some more miles or we're gonna be paying cash for this flight. So these airlines do, I mean, all the airlines do them throughout the year or they're having a sale on their points. Doesn't mean it's a good deal, but there are times when it is a fantastic deal, okay? So I figured out, hey, okay, Air Canada is gonna charge this many miles for this flight. Now I already found that the flight was available just the key, you know, you want to have a use before you buy these points, but we told it up. I'm like, okay, we need 220,000. Let's see what that costs. It came, like I said, in between two and 3,000 where the ticket would have been 13,000. Um, per person. We able, it was per person, yeah, like per person. Yeah. Per person. So we were able to buy these miles because like I said, most people don't know, you know, really how to use these or the value that can be, you know, gotten out of them. We purchased the exact amount of miles that we needed to go book this flight that was live, ready, and available. And we locked it down. And, and buying miles is something that I'll do um, a few times a year for the right scenarios. Because, you know, even if we had, Nick, even if we had all the Amex points you needed for this, I probably still would have told you, hey, yes, we can use your Amex points, but you know what? We don't have it. Like if we use them, we're gonna be out. So right. I'm suggesting like, hey, let's keep those points there for, for, for a situation where maybe we can't buy points to do something. I'm like, hey, here's a perfect setup to where we could buy these miles. We'll keep the Amex points on hand for something later. And let's yeah. get this flight at an extreme discount. So quick question on that. Is there a specific time or like holiday season? Do all the airlines or alliances or whatever, like offer points? And because what I'm hearing, and this is where I've always been scared. It's like, okay, so... Air Canada has points I can buy, but like, let's say I go spend 2K, I have 200,000, but like, then what? So do you recommend only buying points if you have already planned your route and then waiting, I guess? Yes and no. Yeah. I think, um, you know, just like everything else, it's all going about that kind of that research thing. You know, what am I looking for? What do I want? It's like with you, obviously we knew exactly how many points we needed to purchase. We didn't really want to buy any more that we needed for this specific thing. But, you know, you had a specific flight in need and that was a very simple one where it was, okay, we know what we need, buy the miles, book the flight, we're done. Okay, so that's an easy scenario when you've got a planned a planned use for them. Okay, that's gonna prompt you to, to break it down. And if you find the flights, then it's, it's definitely a green light go. Now, the other scenario is gonna be kind of purchasing them speculatively. You know, I'm traveling full time. Um, you know, I have spend, but I don't have anywhere near as the amount of spend that most of my clients do. So to me, like, you know, I did buy a lot of Air Canada miles last year. I probably spent, I mean, maybe five grand on Air Canada miles last year, but I got seven or eight business or first class flights out of it Wow. that, you know, I didn't have, you know, well, I've always got points, but I didn't want to deplete, you know, my Amex what points you had, to, yeah. to earn those. I have to spend you can only earn those by spending. So for me to accumulate a hundred thousand Amex points, I want to have to spend a minimum of twenty k. Interesting. Or I could spend a thousand on these miles straight up and book this same and flight. And get the so. Oh, 
I want to keep going. I, I'm kind of torn because I want to keep going on the Maldives trip and, and breaking it down. But I think we got the overall gist of what we did. I'm definitely going to have you back on. And I think what we do is walk through the second part of it and then maybe an additional trip that we have coming up where we can actually say like, this is like kind of a little through. bit more of a live yeah. one. Um, Cause I, I also want to, I mean, I, I'm going to have to have you on because there were so many questions that I received from my audience. And I know after this comes out, what I want to do as quickly as possible, just because we didn't get to it is how does a family get into the travel hacking? Let's say you have two kids. What's the best option? It's just using your points, transferring them, upgrading them. Or what do you say to families? Yeah. So this kind of goes into like earlier, you know, I said there was like the right way to use points and the wrong way to use points. You know what? There is, there is no, everyone's right way to use points is going to be specific for their situation. Like I want to fly, you know, business class by myself, you know, to Europe. If I had a family of three or four, I'm going to be looking at this a little bit differently. Like, okay, well, sure. I'd love to take them all to Europe. Uh, it's hard to find four seats, but it's like, Hey, we could do a family trip. You know, it's, we're going to, we're going to Disney world, you know, something like that, where, um, the same process and strategy kind of applies to where you know, we want to be, you know, optimizing our spend, using the right cards, um, and then kind of working towards a goal. Like if we know, hey, we want to go to Disney World, maybe we've got a couple of our cards, our foundational cards I mentioned. Um, you know, maybe there's a huge sign-up bonus on. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a Southwest Airlines card. They offer companion passes. So if I'm a family of four, I'm taking companion pass all day. You know, you can get one, your wife can get one. And now all of a sudden you and your kid, you know, you and the two kids are flying free. So that's, you know, that's a little hack there because that's good for an entire year. Uh, tons of families will do that. The Southwest isn't going to get you, you know, to Thailand or anything like that. But for like domestic family flights, like that's one of the biggest easy wins for families is getting that Southwest companion pass, which you can pretty much get just by getting two Southwest cards. Um, so that's a massive one. Um, and then I'm just trying to think like, just, you know, beyond that, I think, you know, when you're having hotel status, you know, all of a sudden, like where for me, it's easy. I, you know, I'm, I'm generally paying, paying for one, you got a family of four and all of a sudden you're eating two or three meals a day. All of a sudden this free trip is, is not free anymore. But if we have hotel status, we got breakfast included. It sounds like something small guys, but if it's a five or six day yeah, trip that's a, that's for a lot. four, this is the stuff that adds up. So like I said, there's more value beyond just these points that come from these cards. You know, it's, it's, yes, it's meant to earn points, but these cards can also elevate the travel experience, but also significantly reduce the costs um, beyond just the actual travel piece as well. Amazing. All right. We're going to do a rapid fire Q and a, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. You are traveling with your significant other and only one of you gets the upgrade. What do you do? Oof. Come okay, on. So there's a right I, answer here. There's a right answer. So, <laughs> all right. So someone's got to be in that seat. That's the, that's, that's the first answer. Um, I think if it's your significant other, you're probably going to be traveling with them quite often. And I think, uh, Hey, you know what? You want to start the trip off on, on a good note. So that's nothing worse than starting a trip off and having that decision. But what I would say is take turns, <laughs> take turns, of take course. turns. Someone gets to have fun, whether you want to switch mid flight or it's like, Hey, you know what? You can take this one now, but the next flight might be longer. So I think there's, um, I would say take turns. Sharing is caring, but um, very politically correct answer. Yes, I, yes. I I will say my my husband gets upgraded a lot from his status, and he is wonderful in in always putting me up up front because he knows that I get a little more cranky about bad yeah. Travel. And trust me, like I said, I know that I'd rather spend two hours in the economy seat, maybe not the middle seat. I'd rather spend two hours yeah. in the economy yeah. seat to set myself up for a really good rest of the trip because right. <laughs> that could be the other way around. <laughs> All right. Next one. Rapid fire thoughts on children flying first in business and being in the lounges. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, is it acceptable? Yes. But you know, it's, it's not a playground, you know, your kids should behave, you know, some, I I'm really bad at getting work done at the lounges in the hotels like are on the flight. So I'm not really getting disturbed, but a lot of people are in there working. I mean, there's kids running around and screaming and crying and 
you know, I'd love to, you know, if I'm traveling with my family at some point down the road, like I'd love to have the miles and the points for all of us to be up front. Um, sure. But I think, you know, just like anything else, it's like, just behave. The behavior. Yeah. Oh just, God. Just behave. We had the worst experience in, in the lounge in Maldives. It just, it like kids were literally, it was a playground and we we're like, we're yeah. in a lounge with like the Royal Saudi family. What is going on? Uh-huh. And it was uh-huh. their kids, by the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. First class isn't worth the hype and the price. So we're not talking travel hacking here in points. We're saying just paying for it. First class isn't worth oh. the hype or the price. Oh, no. I mean, the cash price, absolutely not. Um, I mean, is it something that everybody should do? once sure but uh, i mean to pay i mean unless you got unless you're really rich i mean to pay ten thousand dollars for you know for a 10-hour flight i mean yeah you're getting caviar you're drinking you know four hundred dollar bottle champagne they got a nice bed for you they're you know uh that's the whole thing it's the whole package but just think about all the other things you could do with that ten thousand dollars. Right, you could invest that and turn that into something passive. You could and, buy uh, Air Canada miles and get a million miles. A million all right, miles. Yes. Exactly. Next one. Thoughts on dress code and clothing etiquette while traveling, especially in business and first. Yeah, so I think this one. So I actually get um, you know, some of like the, any kind of like the hate comments that I'll get. It's like you're wearing a backwards hat in business class or you're wearing shorts and blah, blah, That was blah. probably coming from me, Tommy. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, kind of going back to the whole thing about, you know, doing the slammer thing, and you know what, travel's supposed to be fun. And you know what, if you're able to get yourself up there, how about whether it's cash or miles, and you're behaving yourself, aka just not interrupting other people or having negative impacts on their experience, then you know what? You can wear whatever the heck you want, you know? It's so funny. I have a very different view on it. I'm, But I like grew up in the old school days where like people were upgraded how they dressed and you'd walk on and they would choose if you mm-hmm. y- you would get up there. And, and so, and I also feel like people that dress in a, a nicer way have that, they have a better etiquette. And so it's just kind of the two go hand in mm-hmm. hand for me based mm-hmm. on my experience. So last one, what's worse, delayed flights turbulence or crying babies okay let's see here crying babies i mean luckily these headphones have gotten so good over the last few years to where like i actually had one on my flight uh, to malta from nice last night and this kid was literally right by me and he was wailing like totally wailing and i had to crank it up a little bit but i was able to um you know i couldn't hear him anymore so that was good so i could deal with that as long as i got battery in the headphones um, what were the other, what were the other two options? So turbulence or delayed flight, like, you know, really bad turbulence, yeah. like on our flight from the Maldives and we were in first, it was so bad that the, all the liquid had like spilled out. Oh, and yeah. I'm thinking if we're in first people in the back must be dying, right? Now. I mean, not really, yeah, but yeah. But like um, a turbulence, it, the whole flight where it's like uncomfortable versus yeah. a really bad delayed flight. You know what? I think, you know, I've had some, some, you know, bump out, you know, jump out of your seat kind of turbulence before. And sometimes it's been, you know, 30 minutes to even, you know, over an hour on some of these longer flights, especially when you're going over the ocean and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it always flattens out and you're back to smooth sailing. So I think of it more like a ride, nothing you can do about it. You're safe. It's no big, you know, the plane's not going to go down. And if you have a couple of slammers, you're just like, you know, you're, you're <laughs> relaxed. Right. So, you're, so you're saying delayed flights. Delays. That's the yep, delays. delayed flights. All right, so Tommy. Really this, quick, yeah, de- tell me with that delay thing too, though, and this leads in goes back to you know being that flexibility and getting to these other airports for these flights. If you book a ticket, so let's just say we're going to tell you to go to Nikki, we need you to go to New York so you can get your flight to Europe. But if we're booking separate tickets, and you don't make your flight to New York, you're either late or you're delayed or it's canceled. You're SOL. If you were booked on one single ticket and there was a mishap, the airline, they canceled it, they're, the airline's obligated to get you onto that next suitable flight. If you're on a separate ticket, though, that's not the case. You've got to make sure that you are there. So you got to give yourself enough time, I would say right. three hours before your next flight. So you know you had an hour delay or maybe you had to recheck your bag. But that's a key piece with this this overall strategy. So that's why I hate delays because I do that pretty much all the time for my international flight. So I always give myself enough cushion. Amazing. Well, 
This has been absolutely phenomenal. So much information. Everyone listening, please go back, listen to it again. Take a pen and paper. We give a lot of, I mean, Tommy gave some sites and, and also share this with your friends, your family, because everyone can benefit from this. And the more we all learn about this, the, the more travel becomes. So Tommy, where can people find you? And do you have any, in one minute, any last piece of advice that you want to share? Yeah. Well, you should find me on Instagram at travel like Tommy. So you'll see all the fun stuff that you can do with the points and the miles. I do actually drop some value in kind of the how to's on a lot of the captions, but it's mostly just me flying on cool flights, cool hotels, but all of that is related to the points and miles world. So um, it's tripspiration, if you will, like here's what's possible with your points. So go take a look there and you'll be like, whoa. Um, I think like I said, to leave people with something, I think like I, said, I started doing all this with, with a corporate, you know, nine to five job. I was making, you know, 70, 80, 90 K in my twenties, but I was able to take my everyday expenses and turn this into stuff that I would have never been able to do. Okay. You know, we're working with business owners now, so there's lots of spend, there's lots of points, but you don't have to, you don't have to do that. You don't have to have a ton of spend. It's maximizing what you got. So if your credit's not in good shape, get your credit fixed up. But if you're in good shape, get yourself the, those foundational cards, start earning the most points for your food, start earning the most points for your flights and start figuring out, Hey, what do I think of a trip? What's something I've never done before? Or, Hey, I've always wanted to try this. I've always wanted to go there. I've always wanted to fly first class. Give yourself a goal, figure out what you have to do to get there. And within, you know, maybe it's only three months, maybe it's six months. I guarantee you, you will have what you need to pull that off. And if you set yourself up, right, this isn't something where these sign up bonuses, you get your points and then one time and they're gone. If we have the right cards and the right strategy, guess what? Nikki, where are we going next year and the year after that? This is something that can be repeated or not can't, would be repeated yeah. every single year. So it's get yourself set up, simple strategies and think big picture. And of course, follow Tom. I'll put all of all of your stuff in the show notes because following you is actually really fun and inspirational. And you do give a lot of information in the in your caption. So thank you so much for being here. Tommy, thank you everyone for listening. And until next week, here's to a sharper life. Mm-hmm.